I got one life, got a made up mind, one time to live, one time to die, I gotta make my one count, one life, got a made up mind, one time to live, one time to die, I gotta make my one count, one life. Praise the Lord, this is Tay Love preaching Jesus the Christ. You're listening to the One Life Podcast with Tay Love via MadeUpMind.com. God bless you today. This is part two, the continuation from the first series, Children According to God, part two. We had part one. We're going to move on with part two in this series. I really do thank you for tuning in. I want to encourage you to share this podcast. If you are a parent and you have a sibling, if you know a church member, a co-worker, somebody in the neighborhood or the community, maybe in a group that you work in or volunteer for, and you see parents who are having a hard time with their children, or parents who, again, for one reason or another, parenting is not all, just different things happen with parents. They go through mood swings and stuff like that. But if you see a parent that could use a little encouragement, please share this podcast. I personally believe that the ministry of children, the ministry of parents, is very under, uh, I want to say under-resourced in churches. It is as if, hey, if you got children, you're coming to church, you got a car, y'all going to school, you're working, everything's good. But the reality is Christians are oftentimes taken by surprise because a lot of times it's the basics that have been unknown the entire time. So hopefully this podcast encourages you enough to share it. This is not to make me popular. This is to get the word in the hearing of as many people as possible. And I'm going to keep beating this drum every podcast because, hey, if you're tuned in, you're tuned in for a reason. Whether you stumbled upon this uh, by coincidence or, hey, you just somebody uh, told you to get online and you're listening to this now. However you are listening, it is God who is appointing you to hear his word. So I believe, again, God can work in his word. And that's why I want you to share this podcast. Subscribe so that way when there is a new episode, you automatically get the notification and you can tune in. Again, this podcast is called Children According to God, Part 2. We left off with Ecclesiastes 11, 9 through 10. And that verse we read, it reads in the King James, Rejoice, O young man, in thy youth, and let thy heart cheer thee in the days of thy youth, and walk in the ways of thine heart and in the sight of thine eyes. But know thou that for all these things God will bring thee into judgment. Therefore, remove sorrow from thy heart, and put away evil from thy flesh, for childhood and youth are vanity." That was where we ended, and we had a little dialogue after that, but that is where we ended in part one. Now let's pick up with that word vanity, and we're going to resume in this podcast. So the second point, the point of this podcast, we're going to go as long as we can 
And if it gets long, then we will go ahead and roll it over into another uh, podcast. But this second point of God or or, um, children according to God is this. Most of what children do is vanity and does not apply in the real world or adult life. Reading that verse, Ecclesiastes 11, 9 through 10, the very next verse, if you were to continue reading, is Ecclesiastes 12, 1. In the King James, it reads, Remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth, while the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh, when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. Other translations say, remember your creator in the days of your youth before the evil days come and you regret them. Young people are new to life. There are various experiences, emotions, highs and lows in life. They need training, modeling and wisdom from the previous generation. So let's read again. This is according to God. There's a lot of things we could look into that are outside of the Bible. But of course, you know, this is a podcast that's dedicated to the Bible. So let's read Psalm 78, one through eight King James. It says, give ear, O my people to my law incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in the parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known and our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children, shewing to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wonderful works that he have done. For he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers that they should make known to their children that the generation to come might know them, even the children which should be born, who should arise and declare them to their children that they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments and might not be as their fathers, a stubborn generation, a generation that set not their heart aright and whose spirit was not steadfast with God. Psalm 78, one through eight King James version. Do you see the pattern? Do you see the repetition? Do you see what's said over and over again? Hey, parents, teach them to their your children so that your children would teach them to their children and even their children. So let's continue reading again. They need training, modeling and wisdom from the previous generation. These are new human beings trying to live life. That's why they need you to tell them and teach them various things. First Timothy three, six King James, it says not a novice, lest being lifted up with pride. He fall into the condemnation of the devil. This is the list of characteristics for one that is or says, hey, I want to be a leader, a pastor, a a uh, deacon, a, a leader of any kind in the church and really a template for a man of God, period. The Bible says he must not be a novice, not being green, wet behind the ears and all these types of sayings. They want somebody who has lived life just a little bit. Second Timothy two, one through two. King James, thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus and the things that thou hast heard from me 
heard of me among many witnesses. The same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. So again, reteaching the next generation is reiterated in the Bible. Now let's read Titus 2, 1 through 5. But speak thou the things which have come sound doctrine, that the aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith, in charity, and patience. The aged women likewise, that they be in behavior as become of holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. That was Titus 2, 1 through 5, King James. Ladies and gentlemen, God's system in place for children is for them to be taught, to be trained, to have models. There is a wealth of wisdom that already exists before a new human being arrives to planet Earth. Specifically, the body of Jesus Christ should be aiming again to train the next generation because of their children and future generations. Nothing that we do as Christians is for us in this time. Everything we do, yes, is unto the glory of God and is ultimately for God, but it is for and in light of future generations. So that is the second point. Again, most of what children do is vanity and does not apply in the real world or adult life. Now, we are going to circle back. Trust me, if you're like, well, how did that? Why? You know, it doesn't quite line up. Hey, I'm putting all the ingredients on the table and we're going to roll it all together like a burrito. I'm just cooking all the simmer and all the juices of this message in regards to children, according to God. Point number three in this podcast, going about adult life in the outer man with the inner man being childish, feeble and foolish brings a life of misery and regret. As the one verse said, before the evil days come and you have no pleasure in them. First Corinthians 13, 11, King James Version. When I was a child, I spake as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. As we said in the previous episode, you are naturally and automatically going to grow, get old and die. That does not sound like a happy ending because it's not Hollywood and it's not uh, like a cartoon where we live forever and it's blissful. Yeah, that's eternal life in Jesus Christ. For those who reject Jesus, they will not spend eternity with Jesus. The only place left for them outside of heaven is hell. That's reality. Either we are in the free world or we're in jail. Either we are healthy or we're sick. Either, either we're walking normally or we are disabled. No one shuns and frowns and cringes at those realities. Yet, when God says heaven or hell, people are like, no, no, only talk about heaven. No, there's not only well people in the world. There are people who are deaf. 
There are people who are uh, uh, they're, they're mute. There are people who are blind. There are people who are paraplegic. There are people who are in wheelchairs. There's all types of people, people with MS, multiple sclerosis and cancers and all types of people who are not perfectly healthy and happy. Uh, that's just not reality. Somebody is amputated, etc., etc. Nobody frowns on that. But, oh, when it comes to heaven or hell, oh, don't say hell. Yes, God said it. Just like God assigned left and right, God assigned heaven and hell. After death, that's it. So, again, when I became a man, I put away childish things. The foolish and vain part about the way children are raised is the time that is wasted because the majority of it is spent on worthless things that don't apply in the real world and or don't train the child to prepare for independent adult life. Man, I'm going to tell you, I spent a lot of my time as a kid playing video games. The world changed in 1987. I was in Germany. My brother, sister, and I was in the living room, and so many words, there was a big box. We opened this box, and it said, Nintendo Entertainment System, NES. What is that? We saw these cartoons, look, it was like, ooh, you know how kids are. Let's plug it up and turn it on. Now, you know, we ain't read no directions. We put that game on and started pressing buttons. Boom, boom, start making noise we would sit and play these video games for hours even if we weren't playing we were watching each other play learning and you know ooh, the colors and the scenes and the levels and the episodes and the characters and we would spend lots of our life because that was 87, then 88, then 89, then 90. Then you had the Nintendo, then the Super Nintendo, then the Sega Genesis, then the Nintendo 64. Then they came out with the Dreamcast, Sega Dreamcast. Then they came out with the PlayStation. Then they came out with the Xbox and all this stuff. And it has rolled and rolled and rolled. Don't you know, I was so hooked to video games. I would sit and pause the game. Turn the TV off so it looked like everything's off. I would go play basketball or whatever, come back four hours later, come back to the house, turn the TV on, and resume playing that game. I ain't the only one. There's gamers out here today that are way worse than that. But here's my point. I spent a lot of time, probably an accumulated years and years worth of time, on video games. Now, how many credits did I get for that? When it came to college, high school, how did it improve my credit score? How did it help my heart rate? How did it enhance my the equity on my home? How did it repair or teach me to, you know, repair or take care of a vehicle? And the list goes on and on and on. So again, the time that is wasted. Now, here's what I'm not saying. I am not saying video games are evil. I am not saying video games are wrong. I'm simply saying the foolish and vain part 
about childhood is the time that is wasted. Most young people are simply not prepared to be adults. Having children later and having less children subtracts from the body of Christ. Additionally, the growth and advancement of the kingdom of God. You might be saying, hey, brother, take love. You're making some very strong statements. Yes, I am. If the LGBT and the minor attracted pedophile and the, the father who loves his daughter and wants to marry her and incest and all this crap is bluntly stated today and you ride around the streets and people are smoking weed all over the place and et cetera, et cetera. Why am I the bad guy for clearly stating truth? This is truth, folks. This is not my truth. You have to add up the math yourself. We all see these big stinking elephants everywhere and nobody's saying nothing about nothing. Shame on the Christians. If the world don't say nothing, hey, they're not saying nothing because that's the kind of game they play being fake. But as Christians, we are called to pull each other to the side and illuminate truth. Discuss truth. Walk in the discourse of truth. Okay? So here's an example of what I mean. Let me read that last statement. Having children later and having less children subtracts from the body of Christ. Additionally, the growth and advancement of the kingdom of God. Listen to this example. Walk with me through this example. We're going to cover a lot of stuff right here. And you might say, yeah, I thought you said, well, listen. Going about adult life in the outer man with the inner man being childish, feeble, and foolish brings a life of misery and regret. That's the point that we're trying to support. Well, how does that apply when we look at how people have children? When you and I die and we stand before God and he rolls back our life. And the Bible says in Hebrews 4.13, all creatures are naked and open. They're naked and open into the eyes of him with whom we must give an account. Second Corinthians five tells us, so we, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Hebrews nine twenty seven says, uh, 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 it is the point of the time that a man should die once. And after this, the judgment, every single human being, rich and poor, big, small, no matter how your parents were, what kind of education you have, when you die, you will stand before God. Hebrews 10.31, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And just in case you have lots of money or you eat off of gold cups and, and you, 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 you have you, you, you fare uh, you fare sumptuously, as the uh, Luke 16 says about the rich man. Uh, Proverbs 11.4, riches do not profit in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivers from death. The day of wrath for most people is now, according to John 3.36, the wrath of God abides on you. But the wrath of God is going to come suddenly, as Ecclesiastes 9.12 say, suddenly because some people just don't know the truth. That was a long way around the block to say it like this. When you stand before God, you're going to realize how much you could have done for the kingdom of God. How much you you didn't do 
for the kingdom of God. And one of them is this point that I'm about to make. So again, having children later and having less children subtracts from the body of Christ. Additionally, the growth and advancement of the kingdom of God. You look at being adult in an adult and mature way or a childish way. So here's an example. Joyce and Marcus get married at 27 years old. They wait three years to have their first child and three years after that to have their second child. They are now 33 years old with a newborn baby. This means there has been 15 years that have passed since they graduated high school and 24 years before their firstborn child starts middle school. Assuming these children follow in the footsteps of their parents, the time lapse between the parents duplicating themselves is 37 years before the first child born is 27 years old. Hopefully you follow that example, but let me give you a few statistics and then we'll come back to how this is childish and this is not mature and it will, uh, it's foolish. Uh, it subtracts from the body of Christ. In 1960, the birth rate in the United States, man, that sounds like it was a long time ago. In 1960, the birth rate in the United States was 3.5. In 2019, the birth rate in the United States is 1.7. That's nearly pretty much half. The U.S. population that went to church in 1960 was 63%, meaning once a week. The U.S. population that goes to church once a week in 2021 is 22%. There's a lot of things that people can say, but here are two suggestions I'd like to put out as to why there has been both a decline in the mortality, meaning more people, less people, you know, people are having less children, half the children they used to have, and a third of the people who used to go to church, a third are still going. So it went from, you know, say 100% to 33% or in this case from 63% down to 22% those who attend church once a week. We ain't talking about once a year, once a month, once, you know, twice a year. We're not talking about them. Those are not really church attenders or even church members if you ask me. Attending church being a part of a body, an active, vibrant member is whenever they have services, you attend. That's saying, that's like saying, hey, my thumb only has to be on my hand once a month. Yeah, my elbow has to be only on my arm and connecting the forearm to the upper part. It only has to do that, you know, a couple times a year. Well, what would happen? Anyway, we can't go there. Here are two reasons why those stats are true. One is contraceptives. So we have the advancement of what's called safe sex deception. They say, hey, just use this. Take some pills, drink some water, stand up, all this stuff, turn the lights out. Uh, you know, do it with your socks off, whatever, all these myths, but you do have contraceptives. You got condoms, birth control, Planned Parenthood, all types of ways to say, now we can have sex, premarital sex, fornication, we can do this and not have children. And some people hope they don't get a disease. And the second thing is abortion. 
55 million abortions a year, I believe. I don't have the stats right on hand, but there are a whole lot of abortions. As a matter of fact, let me go get these uh, statistics on abortion. It's going to shock you, but abortion is a billion-dollar industry. Abortion is a billion-dollar industry. The stats on abortion is this. There are, in 2019... There were 629,898 abortions. That means 1,725 abortions happen every day. 2019, 1,725.74 babies are killed every day in America. That means 71.9 babies are killed every single hour in America. What does that mean? Oh, it's a whole lot of people in fornication. It's a whole lot of people in sexual sin. But most of those babies are being killed. That's why the birth rate has gone down. It's not because people ain't having sex, ain't being fruitful. Remember, the point I'm saying here is, when you look at Christians, how many of those statistics exist because of people who claim Jesus? How many Christians, so-called Christians, are having premarital sex? How many Christians are using contraceptives? How many Christians are having abortions? If we were to add up the math and all of that, what would happen? Just like the example I gave you, there are long periods of time. That's 27 years. In the example, it's 37 years before the first parents reproduce themselves. That means that's three and a half decades before there's another adult. Three and a half decades. So again, the growth and advancement of God's kingdom, the body of Christ, is stunted or stopped because of these stats. So listen, folks. Who told us to do the things that we are doing? Who told us to have less children? Who told us to sit here and be afraid to say, I don't want to drive a minivan. I don't want to be a quote, quote, unquote, soccer mom. You ain't got to put your kids in organized sports, so kill that miss about soccer mom. Vans were made for families. So if you have a family, you all ain't going to fit in no sedan. The seating is five. You got five seat belts. That's why vans were made. Not for moms who get kid, got kids playing soccer. Half the vans should not be filled up with uh, soccer balls and sports equipment. No, it seats five, six, seven people. Some vans seat eight people. Those vehicles were made for you to have children, for families with children. So who told us? To do the things that are being done. Well, if you read in Genesis 3.11, God asked Adam a question right after the fall. The question that God asked was, Who told thee that thou wast naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldst not eat? God already knew when he saw they were naked and they were hiding. God already knew they were talking to the devil. So who have you been talking to that makes you think 
You have to do those things, have less children, etc. Think about these statements. I know you've heard them just like I have. Remember, I have four children, three sons, one daughter. I, uh, uh, you know, if things were different and, and I could go back in time, I would have 12 children. Now, I'm not being harsh on the, the, the woman. I mean, if, if the pregnancies were good and not all these complications, yeah, I'd be like Hank Hanegraaff. That brother got 12 or 13 kids. Uh, uh, yeah, I would have a lot of children. I love it. Being a daddy, fathering, raising, rearing, molding, shaping, leading the home, establishing dinner rituals where y'all sing to Jesus. And it, it's just a fun time. Here are some sayings you might have picked up along the way living in America. If you are just tuning in, this is Tay Love preaching Jesus the Christ on the One Life Podcast with Tay Love via MadeUpMind.com. Please share this podcast. We are trying to get this podcast around the world. Just about most people in the world have a cell phone with an internet connection. So you have the world in the palm of your hand. Help us reach the world by sharing the podcast. This is not for me to become famous. Famous. This is so that the world can hear, more of the world can hear the word of God. God will take it from there. But let's get back to this. Now, these are some sayings that I have heard living in America. You should wait a while before you have children. Why? Well, go have fun, travel, and have at least $20,000 in the bank before you start a family. Why? Having too many children is expensive and a lot of work. Really? Once you have children, your life is over. You need to be older before you're married. Now that I have children, I can't do anything. Where do these sayings come from? Who said these things? And how is it that a lot of Americans have bought into this thing or these sayings? Think about this for a minute. The very things that further the kingdom of God and the body of Christ are condemned and seen as cancerous in the eyes of many today, including those who claim Jesus. What two things are those that advance God's kingdom? Marriage and children. You mean to tell me I got to sit up here, get some paper, write out a plan for an event. I got to say, all right, today is October. The month is October. We got Halloween, Thanksgiving, and Christmas and New Year's. Okay, those are going to be the four things we got to contend with. Because people in the world make plans according to the world and the world's calendar. So we already know. If it's Halloween, people going to party. If it's Thanksgiving, people going to go with their families. If it's Christmas, you know they're going to consume and get into the Santa Claus and all that stuff. And then if it's New Year's, people are going to party. All right. So what else can I do? Okay, once I finally find an oddball time day that nobody's busy, nobody has a sports game, nobody's on vacation, nobody's already preoccupied, and I pick a date. All right, what can we do? Oh, let's have an outreach, All right? Let's get an outdoor stage, let's get singers and bands, and let's get money to give away, let's get prizes to give away, let's have vendors and booths and da-da-da. So let's say 
after all the nuts and bolts, I got 30 volunteers. This is going to be a three-hour event. We're going to have 10 bands. We're going to give away 20 prizes. And the total hours of manpower and labor is probably about 40 from flyering to picture taking, video editing, setup, tear down, serving at the thing, cooking the food, buying groceries, all that. I got to do all that, 40 man hours. And the total cost with the bands, the honorariums, uh, uh, buying stuff, this, that, and the other, is five grand. After I do all that, 100 people out of, say, 500 that show up, 100 people, I got 100 names of people who are interested in the church, want prayer, this, that, and the other. I go through the 100 people, and three people end up coming to the church. One guy gives his life to Jesus. The other two are, at least they're attending church, they're still thinking about Jesus Christ. Now, let's say I do that. Do you see my point? I have to go all through this kind of work and labor, assuming people don't cancel the rain, stuff don't fall apart, fights don't break out, fires don't start. All these things just for three people to end up coming back to the church, one get a life to Jesus. And then how is the spiritual development and nourishment of those people? Well, I can go that route and I'm not saying that we should stop doing those things. Yes. Hey, ministry is what it is. We're in the world. Sometimes it's like that. But if I have children, let's say I have six children. I have six children that I can mold and shape the way I see fit, as Hebrews 12.10 tells me. I can take the Bible and follow various prescriptions in the Bible. Take these children, make mold and shape them, train them, model before them. I can catechize them and, and teach and reteach and disciple them and uh, evangelize them. And let's say six kids and, you know, after 10 years, uh, all six of them want to follow Jesus. Let's just say that 10 years of, of, you know, hey, let's sing. Let's do these Bible verses. Let's sit down and talk about this. I got six souls that want to follow Jesus wholeheartedly. Y'all see what I'm getting at? What is the quality of those six who have been poured into over a lifetime? What's the quality, the spiritual quality, the spiritual trajectory? How do you get the uh, 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 Billy Grahams and the Francis Chans and the Vody Bockhams and Mark Driscolls? And yes, there's all the mysterious and miraculous ways that people are saved. But like I said in part one, God's manufacturing process, his multiplication means of adding people to his kingdom of people who are called unto him is through marriage and children. That's the primary manufacturing, meaning, hey, if we didn't do any evangelism and all Christians had lots of children and discipled them and trained them, the body of Christ would grow, the kingdom of God could be advanced, especially those who marry young and have children young. It wouldn't be these long three, four decades of nothing. It would be people popping and being added to the body of Christ all over the world, really. But again, just think about that for a minute. The very things that further the kingdom of God and the body of Christ are condemned and seen as cancerous in the eyes of many today, including those who claim Jesus. And those two things, again, are marriage 
and children. Now you might say, as we summarize and end this podcast, you might say, how is that going back to that third point that we mentioned? Uh, going about adult life in the outer man with the inner man being childish, feeble, and foolish brings a life of misery and regret because again, when we look at what it takes to be an adult with the body of Christ, following Jesus means that, hey, if you cannot contain yourself, according to 1 Corinthians 7, we'll get into that later, let to avoid fornication, get married. 95% of the population gets married. Since that's going to be likely the case for you that's listening, if you're following Jesus, what should you do? Get married and have children. That's kind of what people do in this life. Again, as we said in part one, it's a heritage. It adds to the kingdom of God. You're thinking about future generations. Those are all things that deal with maturity. It is the immature, the foolish, the silly, the feeble-minded thing to think, I'm an adult now, but all I want to do is play. I want to gamble. I want to travel. I want to just sit on the resort and play golf all day. By the way, to each his own, but golf is not really that exciting. It depends on who you ask. But I'm just saying, that right there, because you want to play pretty much, gamble, vacation, ride jet skis, travel, that's why you're avoiding delaying marriage and children? That's why you are taking away, stunting the growth of the kingdom of God? That's why people in the world who could be saved ain't saved because you ain't laboring or serving or adding other hands and feet that will share the truth and love of Jesus? That is awfully foolish. That is awfully childish. Part of adulthood means you understand most of life is not about playing. So I'll stop there. There's a lot I could say, but we got to stop this podcast. I do thank you for listening. This is Tay Love. You're listening to the One Life Podcast with Tay Love via MadeUpMind.com. This podcast is Children According to God, Part 2. Tune in for Part 3 uh, next week or another time. I thank you for listening. Again, please share this podcast. You have the world in the palm of your hands via your cell phone, your smartphone. Click, share, text, whatever you do. The world is waiting to hear the truth. And you can be a bearer of truth by simply sharing this podcast. Until next time. One life, one death, one tie. Make disciples, make disciples.